1: but we'll retire by the time we select our ideal location. We will be speaking to folks from across the street to across the globe who have moved to the dream venues and more. So please stay tuned. And remember, if you know anyone who has moved anywhere for retirement, let us know.
0: Thank you. Welcome to Retire There with Gil and Jean. With all due respect, we are going to the sticks today specifically to the historic mining town of Pierce, Arizona. Pierce is located in Southeast Arizona and has a population of around 2,200. It is situated between the Cochise Stronghold, Chiricahua National Monument, and the Winter Sandhill Crane Refuge of Whitewater Draw, making it popular for birders, history buffs, hikers, and climbers. At 4,400 feet of elevation, the area is also known for its milder summers, which make it ideal for quality grapes and vineyards. It's recognized as an American viticultural area. In 2017, our guests, Donna and Gary Brown, retired and sold their home in suburban Bloomfield, Colorado, which is near Denver, to travel the country in their RV with their dog, Toby. They were enjoying the journey while searching for a new place to live. And in 2019, they chose rural Pierce, Arizona as their home. And now a little bit about the Browns. It is often said, if you don't pursue your dreams when you are young, you will never have that opportunity again. That has not been the case for Donna and Gary Brown. In the summer of 73, Donna, a young guitar player, went to check out a band that practiced in a garage a couple of miles from her childhood home in Chicago. There she met Gary, the guitar player who Donna eventually married. Donna and Gary formed an immediate connection, fast becoming collaborators, and decided to start a new band. Donna, being a fan of mythology, called the new group Medusa. In 1975, the band recorded a few songs and released a 45 record. For you young ones out there, a 45 has only two songs on it. I know, you wouldn't need to touch one. You just go on your app and, you know, fiddle around (laughs) and whatever. Not long after those recording sessions, Donna headed off to Truman College to become a registered nurse. That was it for the band, so they thought.
1: Jean... In February of 2012, a phone call changed their lives and gave them a second chance. While still working as a nurse in Colorado, Donna received a phone call from a Chicago record label. It turned out that someone had found a copy of Medusa's 1975-45 record and given it to someone at the record label. The record label asked if Medusa had any more songs. Luckily, one of the band members had saved the tapes in his attic. Gil, you never want to save anything, right? Well, I guess so. <laughs> Shortly thereafter, Medusa's first album, First Step Beyond, was released internationally. Instead of retiring, Donna and Gary reformed Medusa and toured the US for a year and a half. They were mobbed everywhere they played, and the music, created in the 70s, was receiving worldwide attention. Donna turned the story of Medusa into an autobiography. The title is Finding Medusa The Making of an Unlikely Rock Star. Donna also wrote a murder thriller mystery called One Moonlit Night, which came out this year. Donna is an author, musician, certified yoga teacher, including chair yoga, mime, and former RN with over 35 years of nursing experience. She is also an avid runner, hiker, cross-country skier, and has climbed Mount Rainier in Washington, Mount Hood in Oregon, and 22 of the 54 14,000-foot peaks in Colorado.
0: Gary was born and raised in Chicago. He worked in the printing industry from the age of 19 to 63 when he retired. His main hobbies are playing guitar and photography. Gary's music career began when he cajoled his mom into purchasing a General Electric guitar, which worked with the General Electric stereo, which he received for Christmas. Gene, did you know that GE made these things?
1: I had no idea and I'd love to see one. I'm going to look it up later.
0: Yeah, I mean, I worked for GE and I went into the GE store one time and there were phones, you know, T-shirts and they had (laughs) mugs and all sorts of outsourced things. And I I worked for the jet engine division, not that you could buy one of those. but No
1: guitars, huh? There
0: were no guitars, no stereos. (laughs) After looking into this a bit, it was outsourced to a Japanese company, which actually made it just for GE. So that's some cool stuff you got, Gary. Um, Do you still have these things? Oh, no. Oh man, <laughs> Too can you bad. imagine what they would go for on eBay? This this week alone, all right. In the last 24 hours, I sold three things on eBay. <laughs> I think because people are actually thinking of the holidays and I couldn't believe it. So I made like 57 bucks. Not bad. So, Donna and Gary, welcome to retire there. What made you retire from suburban Denver town to the rural ghost town of Pierce, Arizona?
2: Part of it was insanity, I think. Um- <laughs> Another part of it was we had split around that time that we were thinking of moving. You know, We had been considering what we're going to do for retirement. Um, we wanted to leave Colorado because a lot of it was due to frustration. We, that's where we had our reform band. Uh, that band had split, um, so we were pretty frustrated. We couldn't find any other musicians that wanted to play the type of music that we were playing at the time. So that was a good part of it, and it was just ready for us to just time for us to leave, do some traveling, which I'd always wanted to do. So we bought ourselves a twenty-three foot travel trailer and uh, sold, bought, threw away three fourths of our worldly possessions to fit into this twenty-three foot travel trailer, leaving room for our uh, Sheltie, our dog, to come with us. And we committed full time to traveling across the country in our in our trailer so we uh we traveled all around and um through uh after about two years full-time traveling we kind of wanted to find a base you know kind of like a home base and we wanted it to be somewhere warm uh having lived in Colorado uh, the snow really didn't bother me that much but Gary did for sure so we wanted to find kind of you know mellow place uh, weather-wise And we eventually, through some um, uh, real estate agents, found this kind of remote area called Pierce, Arizona, that we found a house and uh, moved in, and we've been there ever since.
0: So you traveled with your RV all around the country. Did you find other areas that were of interest? Or I'm just trying to picture you were all over the place. How did you just zoom in on Pierce?
2: There was a lot of other places. My gosh, we were everywhere from the Adirondacks all the way down to the... Big Bend uh,
3: in Texas. Big Bend. From in, coast to coast, Texas. we were hiking in New Jersey and all the way out to California. So there ah. were a
2: lot of, lot of contenders, a lot of places that we looked at, just... Didn't speak to us other than musical places like Austin, Texas, where we had a chance to play with other musicians. Mm-hmm. But there was nothing outdoors in that area; it was all music related. So we want, wanted something that would give us kind of a little bit of both, and just you know, kind of settled for the the place that we ended up at.
3: Well, plus we were we stayed in uh, Tucson camping. One time that we headed out to California, and then we came back and Dinah said, you know, this feels like home to me. Bingo. Here <laughs> we are. <laughs> oh, wow. Was
0: was there anything that you could pinpoint that made you say that? I mean, there's got to be something that said, this feels like home to me.
2: I guess it was uh, very moderate weather. We at that time didn't experience the broiling, charbroiling uh, summers, the weather seemed really mellow and it just you know seemed like we were trying to escape city because mm-hmm. that's where we were brought up all our lives in mm-hmm. big cities and this kind of gave us kind of a rural setting and uh, we we wanted something a little bit more uh, remote
0: so are there four seasons let's stay on weather for a second
1: it's uh, hot okay. and cold that's it <laughs> and and does it get okay. as hot as phoenix oh no, uh,
2: no 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 phoenix okay. gets into the uh, sometimes upper 120s. Wow. Well I don't know
3: about 120s, but uh, at least towards 120,
2: towards 120. Yeah. Oh and
3: man. And ours were
2: 4,400 4, feet. We reach sometimes we reach 100 mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit over, but that's pretty much as much as as hot as it gets.
0: Okay. And and there's no snow ever.
3: Uh, we'll get maybe an inch once a year. Oh. So maybe I think our last one, our last snowfall was maybe first of January, something like that, and we got maybe an inch, maybe two inches tops. Mm-hmm. But All right,
0: so no just, shoveling required. No, not that's like got to be
3: nice. and not like back in Colorado. <laughs> Literally one year, it snowed. I think on Friday into Saturday and a whole weekend was spent shoveling like a foot of snow. And then if sun comes out and it starts melting the rest of it, And then it snowed again for another foot the next week.
1: Where was that? In Colorado?
3: In Colorado, yeah. So it's like, you know, there's nothing more pleasant than getting up at 530 in the morning outside to shovel snow and go to work. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I have a question. For retirees, what are some of the pros and cons of living in a
3: rural town? Uh, no place to work out here if we wanted yeah. to. yeah, that's yeah.
2: definitely come. Gary and I have both been looking for jobs. Uh, basically, I was able to get a cashier position at Walmart in a town that was Benson forty about forty minute drive away from where we live. It was micromanaged and I stayed there for a month. I'm surprised I stayed there for a month. <laughs> you know, so basically finding work, uh, you know especially in a very remote area, uh, some of the cons are not having you know a lot of traffic not having a lot that's
1: of a care. pro you mean right that's a pro
2: that's pro for sure
1: say it again not so so the pros are not having a lot of traffic what else
2: not having a lot of people around you you know milling around people in your face people coming at you sure, from every sure. direction you know, i'm sure in in new york you know what, what that's about and
1: oh we never get that here <laughs> There's never anybody near us. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Uh,
0: Excuse me. I have a sign, not a sign, but I have a a floor mat right outside the door and it says go away.
1: She also has a rock in front of our little garden in the front of the house that says go away away also. She has a sweatshirt that says go away. (laughs) Her new name is go away. No,
0: you know, I really don't like people. So (laughs) it's present uh, company excluded. But there are people that, you know, get on your nerves or or they um, they oh, yeah. come right up to you. And at the same time, I have a, a neighbor who lives like two doors down. And one day after we were here for 12 years, I was trying to find <laughs> a spot down there. And he comes up to me, he goes, may I help you? And I'm like, I'm your neighbor.
1: For 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So, but you, Donnie, you, you're you a yoga instructor, right? Is that voluntary or do you get paid for that?
2: It's, it's mostly voluntary. Uh-huh. And- I'm really glad to do that for the community. I feel like I'm really doing a really good service for the community, um, especially during the COVID times, where people could convene and you know have some sort of social uh, social activity and to keep their their wellness to 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 keep their their fitness. Mm. So I do two yoga classes per week. One is for free moving people who can get up and down off the floor. And then there is a chair yoga class for people who are less mobile. So uh, all I ask for are donations, whatever. If people can donate a quarter, so be it. Mm -hmm. The the most important thing is that I'm doing good for Mm. people. Oh, that's
1: great. That's so nice. They must really appreciate you.
2: Yes, I, I feel like um, like people are very, very happy that they, they have these activities. There's there's not many activities unless you're into quilting or line dancing, which Gary <laughs> and right. I are into neither one. So,
3: sorry, line yeah.
1: dancing. So you two are originally from Chicago and you're in a band, the band that played all across the United States.
3: Actually, the band in Chicago it didn't do that. Oh,
1: but I mean, once you left Chicago. Yeah, yeah. But your band did play all across the United States. So, And and you've also seen a lot of bands. And I love to see bands. I I go out once in a while. Gil doesn't like to go, but I still go to small clubs and see bands in New York. Does that bother you that you're in a place where you, you can't do that anymore?
3: Yeah, kind of, sort of. I mean, Colorado, there was a lot of places you could go to see bands. They had a a beautiful uh, venue. I think it was once a year they would have the uh, blues from the top festival. So you could go up to Winter Park, you know, and it's just you're up and eye to eye with all the mountain peaks around you. And And wonderful musicians. Yeah, yeah.
1: You did tell us there is... um some musical activity in, in your town, and, and it's by you guys. Played the other night. How'd that go?
2: It went really well. We we just basically the this community being so rural and so isolated, so many people have have been telling us that they really, really are longing for some sort of social activity. So music really serves that purpose, and we were very well received. We got a great applause.
3: People just want to be entertained.
1: That's great. Nice. Where, yeah. where did
3: you play? A little uh, coffee house called Talking Irons Saloon, coffee saloon. Yeah. Oh, that's great.
0: How many do, does the place seat or stand?
4: Know, there's
3: maybe 40 people there.
1: Something oh. Like oh, that's that. a lot. Yeah. Wow.
0: It's a nice size coffee house. Oh,
1: that's great. But that 40 people showed up for that. I that's know.
3: Great. That's wonderful. We had a nice little patio. We were jammed in the corner, but. That <laughs> was nice because, you know, we had our little space and everybody sat around tables or whatever, and they just, they enjoyed us. And That's so really we're going nice. to try to work this out where that the drummer that played with us, he was a, a, a djembe slash conga player. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's got a little trio and then he plays with us. So we're going to try to work it out so that maybe his band and us, We'll play like the first week of the month, maybe the third week of the month. And then, you know, just keep doing that to, to give people something, at least a little bit of something, you know, as far mm-hmm. as music. Yeah, and I know great. one woman came up to us and said, boy, you guys really need to do this more because we wow. really need this.
1: Oh, That must have made <laughs> you feel great.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
1: I'll bet. Yeah. And just a little quiz for our audience. So Gary and Donna, one of them saw... The Beatles Live and one of them saw Elvis live. Who do you think saw the Beatles live?
4: <laughs> Who are oh, you asking? James? Okay, it's
1: Donna. <laughs> and and Gary saw Elvis live, not Presley, not Costello, by the way. And Gary, <laughs> was that was that white jumpsuit sequin Elvis?
3: Oh or, yeah. Oh, yeah. it was. He did all the karate moves and all that stuff. And you know, and it's interesting because I read an article that he really never rehearsed with his band. He said he these are the songs I want to do. They learned the arrangements, and he would just get up there and sing. What made you go to an Elvis show? Ma, as soon as I graduated high school, I, I, the last thing I wanted to do was hang around with Ma. But (laughs) she goes, you know what? I want to see Elvis, and he's coming to the Chicago Stadium. We're going to go get tickets. It's like, (laughs) okay.
1: She she was a big Elvis
3: fan? Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's so funny.
3: And I became an Elvis fan because of it, because it was a great, great show. It was? Oh, wow. Even at that stage of his life? Yeah. Yeah, well, about five years later, I think he passed away. Yeah, yeah. But wow. uh, yeah, it was a great show. They had the sweet inspirations as an opening act. They also had a comedian that actually opened the whole show. And then oh. he came on. and they did, did the whole... Ba-da,
1: <laughs> That's and funny. And
3: then he funny. just starts walking out and everybody goes nuts. And then he just jumps right into the first song and just killed it. Wow. And, and Donna, when you saw the
1: Beatles, could you even hear them?
3: <laughs> what?
2: No, oh my God. All I was, I was inundated by shrieks, the likes of the likes I can't even explain. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I was in the 35th row. I did not take my mother with me. (laughs) (laughs) I was in the 35th row and the Beatles all looked like ants on the stage, but I didn't hear.
1: Oh my goodness.
2: Just to even partially hear their their music was just phenomenal. It was just beyond words.
3: She cried over a picture of Paul most of the show. (laughs) Oh, you were a Paul person. (laughs)
2: <laughs> the Paul My, that picture got soaking wet and I had to <laughs> ring it out at the end of the concert <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah what wh- did we see Gene we so, saw,
1: so we, we, saw, um, we saw and it was our son's first concert it was Ringo's 70th birthday at Radio City Music Hall in New York City. And we were in the back. We were up no, up in the balcony. It wasn't yeah, bad. It was second it row in the balcony, yeah. but it wasn't bad. Paul McCartney showed up at the end. Whoa. But the funny thing we about that show. We were wondering
0: if he was going to show. Yeah.
1: But the funny thing about that show is that we have a friend and she's really into music. She sings. She has a band. She's really, she's a great singer. And her and her husband, who was also named Gary, by the way, they went to the show and usually Gary buys the tickets. but This time she bought the tickets and it was the last row of the orchestra. So they get in, they go sit down. And Gary, not you, but her husband, Gary, is complaining the whole time. My, I should have bought the tickets. I can't believe you bought the tickets. We're in the last row. We can't even see Ringo, blah, blah, blah. Until mm-hmm. right before the show started, three big guys come check out the row. And who sits next to our friend? But Paul's wife, who's now his, Paul's girlfriend, who's now his wife. Linda. No, not Linda. I don't know what the new wife, what the new wife. Is oh, named. God.
4: No, no. Oh, yeah, <laughs>
1: so yeah, so Paul's girlfriend, sits next to our friend next to her is Paul. Oh. And then I think it was the oh. woman's niece or something like that. And then the three guys. So our friend. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Our friend sat next. I had it wrong. Our friend next sat next to Paul. Oh. And so so he never complained about those tickets again.
0: That's a great
1: story.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Should have got you an autograph, you know?
1: But the funny thing was the woman in front of them started screaming, screaming. Uh-huh. So Paul said, and I can't do an English accent, but he said, he said, love, that's not a good idea. And the woman, <laughs> the woman kept quiet. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe
0: he said just a little bit, just maybe, a little bit. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's go back for a moment to Pierce, which seems to be quite secluded. Talk to us about the health care. Is that an issue out there?
3: They got one little small uh, Sunsites medical clinic, and they've got, I think, a couple of nurse practitioners working in there. Then we have the the Wilcox Arizona Hospital. I don't know what the name of it is, but it's up in Wilcox. It's about maybe 25, 27 miles away, something oh, like that's that. Not bad. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and the, luckily we have a uh, fire department with an ambulance that could get us someplace if. We needed to.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's good. Yeah. So the whole closest hospital, you said, it's 20
3: minutes away or 25 minutes away? Yeah, about 25, to, well, about 25, 27 miles, somewhere mm-hmm. around. Oh, mm-hmm. that's not bad. Mm-hmm. No.
0: And what about primary care physicians and dentists and stuff like that? Do you have to go further or around? We have
3: a dentist in Benson. Mm-hmm. Which is about 40 minutes from where we live. Okay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then we have a primary care down in uh, Bisbee. Uh, Bisbee. Arizona, which is near the border,
2: an hour
4: drive
3: from where i live. Oh, wow! Mm -hmm. Then we got a vet that's in uh, Bisbee, also for the dog, Mm. and then we have a a neurologist that we see both see, Mm -hmm. and he's up in uh, Phoenix. Luckily, we get to do this kind of stuff or by cell phone. Mm -hmm. Oh, good!
0: But otherwise, how far is Phoenix? The
2: drive. It's about a three-hour drive. Whoa. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah.
3: So half far
1: is Tucson.
2: Tucson is about, um, an maybe half, about so an hour, hour and a half. Yeah.
0: So you're not really off the grid. I mean, and you have neighbors around, I guess, or yeah. are you really, okay. Yeah, it's okay. just like
3: a regular neighborhood in a city, only mm-hmm. less people and less, well, <laughs> okay, so we live in like a, it's not a cul-de-sac, but it's a court. And so you go in one end, you go around, and then you come back out the other end. And you know, it's houses right next to each other. Ah. Okay. Nice. And
1: talking of housing, what's the housing cost in that area? Would you know these
3: days? Uh I I think the people that uh, took us up to Montana, they bought a place for about $144,000. We paid ninety-seven dollars for ours. And it's about, I think Donna says it's like 1,100 or 1,200 square feet, something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is that
3: a single floor ranch? Like, yeah, a ranch, ranch house, yeah.
1: So you can get a house for about 100000 or maybe a little more now?
3: Yeah, probably. And I think the prices have been going up as of lately, so
4: yeah
0: and what about so utilities and all that other stuff is it are the costs less than colorado
3: well let's see we've got we're paying i think 70 to 80 dollars a month for our uh, wi-fi system which is uh you know kind of similar to uh i guess any other kind of internet connection because the wi-fi system here seems to work pretty good Mm -hmm. it's not like the stuff that's in your phone when you got a walk up to a, yeah. <laughs> top to try to get a good uh, signal, which right. we found out when we went, our first place that we went to was Buena Vista. And there was a campground there we stayed at. Well, we had to literally walk up a big hill to get maybe one bar for a reception. Ooh. And God, if you moved a little bit, then it's gone. Then you got to call back again. It's like, Oh God. But that's not that expensive. I, mean, I think we're paying seventy dollars or seventy five dollars a month for Dish. So wait, is that separate
0: from, uh, or is that the Wi Fi company, Dish?
3: No, this is uh, something different.
0: Oh, Okay, so that's your cable.
3: Yeah, television. Yeah. Oh,
0: okay, wow. So that's actually that's not that far from our prices. Yeah, we're like at one forty or so now since 138, we switched. One thirty eight. Yeah. One thirty eight, but that includes Wi Fi cable.
3: That's what we had back in Colorado. We had cable, and mm-hmm. I think it was about a hundred and fifty a month we were paying, something like that. And then you get the landline in there too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. you have a landline? Okay.
3: Okay. No, not out here, but back oh, there. Out. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah.
0: You were mentioning that you know to get healthcare you have to travel all this. So, is where you live? You need a car? I assume.
3: Yep. Yes. <laughs> No buses, no taxis, no, no
0: public transportation available outside. Like no a Uber, no nothing. right? OK, no anything. Well, they must have Uber, right?
3: No. Well, most of the most of the people that we asked, uh, we have to be specific where we live. Otherwise, if we want to um, have, let's say, somebody to work on the RV or do something around the house, you know, good luck trying to get somebody who wants to come out here. Uh, so that's a little bit of a mostly know. Uber is in Tucson. It's, uh, it's okay. Tucson area.
2: You won't, yeah. won't find it much out here. Mm-hmm. Okay.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So you either have to drive and so both of you would have to either go together. If one of you wanted to go, let's say, I don't know, let's say you had a doctor's appointment and the other one had to pick up groceries or something, you'd either have to wait for one or the other or or do you have two cars? You don't need two cars.
3: Uh, it would a- be nice to have two cars, but the one car, if we have to do shopping and I go to a doctor appointment, then Donna could always take the truck and go hmm. and do the shopping and then come back or vice versa.
1: Right, right, right. That's true. How far is the nearest international airport?
3: Tucson. Tucson. Uh, and then we have, I think, another one in Phoenix too.
1: Right. Sure. So the big one's in Phoenix. Yeah. And the Tucson, that's that's about an hour and a half, you said, right?
3: Um, an hour
2: and a half. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's not bad. So I have a question that's just interesting to me. Donna, I, I read some of that you were a mime and did you really work with Marcel Marceau? I did. Can you I did. Tell us a little about that.
2: I had a chance, uh, study with him in Ohio, near Columbus, Ohio, a place called Kenyon College, where he was teaching every summer. I started becoming very interested in mime when I was living in Chicago, and I saw a wonderful mime performance at
3: Northwestern,
2: North, Northwestern University. Ever since I saw that mime performance, I saw this lady portraying our washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just so taken. I I was tapping him. And I kept telling him all during the performance, that's what I want to do. That's what I really want to do. And I started taking lessons in Chicago uh, with a a teacher one-on-one. And then I went to Colorado, moved to Colorado and started taking more lessons uh, through a free university and became pretty proficient, enough for this teacher that was working with me said, you know, I think you need to go to professional school. So I found this professional school in um, near Columbus, Ohio, and studied there for a number of years. Until one year, I was extended an invitation, I heard that Marcel Marceau, my childhood hero was going to teach there. And I I thought, Oh, my God, (laughs) unbelievable. Do I want to be a part of that? You better believe it. So I had a chance to study with him for three summers. Wow. Wow. It was pretty, absolutely mind boggling. In many ways, it was uh, very, very physical work. Mm -hmm. It was not an easy teacher to study with. He had a lot of his own ways. Basically, I did learn a lot from him. I learned from a distance because he basically kept first year students watching his back, how he moved from the back across a room Mm -hmm. or, you know, across the room. He didn't allow us to look at the front part of his body, the first wow. year students. Uh, when we came back again, he says, "Ah, okay, you're back. Now you get, uh, now you get to see more of me." So <laughs> little, little bit by pieces, but um, get to really study him and learn a lot from him. He would stand on stage in front of us and take us through his famous pieces. And we would just kind of mimic him behind him as he was going through famous pieces such as The Mask or Bip Goes to Sea, some of his really famous pieces. So
4: mm-hmm.
2: I was thrilled. I really thrilled that I had a chance to study with him and I learned a lot from him.
1: Did he talk much?
2: He got his message across. Let's let's put it that way. He was <laughs> he um would whisper, he would. What? This, with normal speaking voice was a whisper. So we would all be uh, listening as close as we could <laughs> as he was just barely whispering. If he would want to be next to you or be with you, he would let you know. And if he didn't want to be with you, he would let you know and know on certain terms by God. One time I, I reached out to grab him. I wanted to ask him about Charlie Chaplin, mm. who was a very, very famous comedian and who was Chaplin's idol. I wanted to talk to him about Chaplin. I, Adelaide, Marcel,
1: Marcel Marceau's idol, right?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just adore Chaplin with his yeah. physical mm-hmm. comedy and his little tramp. And I just grabbed marceau's arm i just wanted a couple minutes just to ask him about how that experience was and he just pulled his arm away from me and he said not now not now and he never never got back to me about it so, oh <laughs> that's so funny. He, he made himself perfectly clear that's so interesting so i, lo- I love yeah. the
1: fact that he's the only person to have a speaking role in the movie called silent movie
2: I love that. That's ironic. He normally does not really talk a heck of a lot, but when he does talk, you get what he's telling you. Oh,
0: so he's a man of a few words, and every
2: word is gold. Man of a few words, very strict, Mm -hmm. uh, very perfectionistic, very difficult teacher to study with.
1: And, Donna, do you perform mime anymore?
2: Yes, yes, I do not not as much as I used to. I had my own company called Mime Works, wow. and I would perform on-stage performances. I'd go to schools, I'd work with the kids, I'd teach them Mime. I would do library performances, I would do weddings, banquets, birthdays. Uh, I'd go to old people's homes. I just do a lot of different uh, a lot of different events.
1: And do you have any plans to do any shows in Pierce?
2: Um, not anything in the future, but I have performed when, when we first moved out here, I performed at a number of libraries. The librarians were very anxious. They said, uh, you, you know, pantomime. Wow. We would love to have you perform. Oh, wow! And I possibly might have a chance to perform at a nearby school. Mm-hmm. So, oh, nice. Nice.
0: Yeah. The two of you have brought culture yeah. to Pierce. <laughs> Look at that! You are the stars of Pierce, man. That's so cool. That's funny. Yeah.
1: So let me ask: How has it been living uh, through the pandemic in a rural town?
3: Well, it's interesting because when people were hoarding mm. all the toilet paper and uh, paper towels yeah, and all yeah. that stuff in Tucson, mm-hmm. when they got done with there in Tucson, they would filter their way through uh, Pierce, no. and all of a sudden our shelves were empty. Oh
1: my! Oh my goodness! <gasps> really? Yeah. They come all the way to Pierce.
0: Yeah. Huh. So wait, what did you guys do? Did you stock up or anything? Because you know it's got to be a little anxiety
2: ridden. We we didn't really want to, you know. We we didn't like everybody else. We weren't hoarders. We, we we thought, you know, there's plenty to go around. What we can't find now, all right. So we'll go maybe a couple days later and pick mm. up stuff. We. Tried to do without. We we didn't want to feed into the uh, yeah. feeding, feeding
1: frenzy. So talking of toilet paper and other necessities, is there a supermarket in town, or where, where did you? Where Dollar do you have to go General. for that stuff? Right. Oh, there's a Dollar General. That's it. Yeah.
0: yeah. And is that walking distance? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah it's about two blocks away. Okay.
1: Oh wow. And so can you also walk to a coffee shop?
3: Yeah, about two blocks away. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> the other direction. So when you do need a supermarket, how far is that? How far is the closest supermarket?
3: Uh, well, about, we can go uh, to Benson
2: about, uh Wilcox. Uh, yeah, Wilcox is about a half an hour drive and Benson is okay. about 40 minutes.
1: Okay, and and do they, they have just regular supermarkets?
3: Yeah, they got a Safeway in both mm-hmm. Wilcox and Benson. Mm-hmm. If you want a Fry's, which is like a King Supers or a Ralph's, I don't know what it is out by you guys. They go by different names. When we yeah. were in California, it was Ralph's. Mm-hmm. And so out here, it's Fry's. When we were up in uh, camping somewhere with the camper on our way up to uh, Montana, and that's where we came across a Smith's. Oh,
1: And that's another... What if you're interested in like natural foods? What's the far nearest town? Tucson.
0: Okay, so they're not... They've
3: got a Whole Foods and they've got a Sprouts up there and a Natural Grocers.
1: Okay, and a Trader Joe's?
3: Yeah. All right,
0: can't leave out (laughs) the Trader Trader Joe's, Joe's,
1: Gil. So during the pandemic, I assume you still have your trailer, right? Yeah. Do you plan when the pandemic is over or not as severe? Do you plan to go out and travel again?
3: Well, we did uh, over this past summer... We went up to Montana for about six weeks, and then oh, we nice. also did another trip up to Vegas for uh, our niece's wedding, and then spent some time in Zion. But that was without the trailer because you can get seven hundred miles to our F one fifty to a tank of gas. Wow! Where wow. The, you got the trailer, it's about three hundred miles. Oh yeah. my goodness! Yeah. yeah. So
0: yeah, just going back to your neighborhood. What about any places to? fulfill prescriptions is there like a walgreens a cbs anything close by
3: tucson or benson okay so you
0: guys have to be really organized to have an ongoing list of things so you don't forget right like in the middle of the night yeah Yeah. (laughs) and and is the uh dollar what did you say dollar general yeah okay is that open like all hours or is it typically 10
3: o'clock and then they close
0: oh all right that's not so bad yeah. I, I personally, um, I'm a fan of the Dollar Tree. Everything is $1, which I didn't know until I actually went <laughs> into one. So it's so easy for the cashiers. You have literally every item is $1 and you don't have to figure it out. And it's such a fair name to the store,
1: Dollar Tree. I don't like any of these dollar stores because they tend to go into small towns. I don't know if this happened to you, small town. They tend to go into small towns and open up, and then the only supermarket in town can't compete with them, so it ends up closing, and people have to drive for miles to go to a supermarket. So you know, it's okay if they open, but don't open in these small towns. You know, it's it's, it's not a good thing.
0: Yeah, but if they didn't open in this small town, they I, couldn't get milk. I at, bet it, this small town seven used. To, and,
1: I bet this small town used to have a supermarket.
0: Well, it's not there anymore. Oh, you think yeah, it's because, because of Dollar, tree? Because Dollar, Dollar General, General, General
1: killed it? I don't know if that's well, the case. Getting, but,
3: well, we had a Family Tree out here, which is just like a Dollar General. And they went out of business because everybody liked Dollar General. So, huh.
0: <laughs> but was there a supermarket like Gene said?
3: No,
1: no. You? But they don't. But you don't know. Say ten years back, if there was a supermarket, right?
3: Well, it's not really that big of a community around here. Uh-huh. I mean, only, like you said, twenty two hundred people. It's like you know, and and people want to. You can't get a Safeway out here because. It's too, they're too expensive, I think. Yeah.
1: Right. But generally in these small towns, there's a little supermarket usually.
3: We used to have a place called the produce wagon Uh and you could go in there and get like uh, milk and produce and fruit and potatoes and
1: stuff like that.
2: But they they closed down.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh, that's sad. Yeah.
2: What about
0: like farmer's markets and stuff like that? Is that also Tucson or? They probably
3: have stuff like that out here where you can actually stop by a farm. Oh. Do shopping but i've never been able to find one or get an idea from somebody that, oh yeah you go to these guys and you can get whatever you want you know mm-hmm. i don't know for sure yeah. i know there's a curry farms around here and you can get eggs and milk and stuff like that mm-hmm. so i don't yeah. know what else they have because i've never okay. stopped in
0: sure sure what about um social activities i mean now that you guys are there We know that that club is going to pick up. What about if you wanted to learn pottery or, I don't know, quilting? Well, you mentioned there's quilters, but what about those other things? Where would you find that if you were interested?
3: Well, they have people that teach these things over at the community center. That's where Donna does her yoga classes that's where the quilters come in on monday right after uh, her yeah. class there's
2: there's not very many class offerings there used to be a gentleman who would do dog training we would uh, take advantage of that quilting and uh, and basically line dancing and that was pretty <laughs> much it what's with okay. the line dancing is that like big never went there to never had any interest <laughs> i would rather be out hiking and enjoying yeah. the The great, beautiful mountains. So
1: So hiking must be great there, huh?
0: There's the outdoor activities, sports and all that. Yeah,
2: outdoor activities, great. Between the Chiricahua Mountains, Mm, mm. um, the Cochise Stronghold, where Cochise hung out, a lot of great hiking areas there.
1: Is there a hiking club or a running club?
2: I actually started a hiking club. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, I, I decided, you know, there has to be some more activities here. Yeah. So yeah. I, there was a whole bunch of uh, my students, my yoga students who wanted to hike. And I said, hey, let's pick this day and let's go out for a hike.
1: Oh, that's mm-hmm. great.
2: So every week, every Wednesday, we all get together and we go pick different places to hike.
1: Wow. And how many people usually go? How how often? How many people usually go?
2: Uh, It could range anywhere from four to maybe six to eight people. That's great. So you guys coming
0: from Chicago, growing up in quite a busy kind of area, do you feel lonely out there or is this a time where... You know, you guys have the quiet that you need, and it sounds like you're doing all these other things. But is it kind of
2: lonely, or no? For me, probably more for Gary, more for me than for Gary. Gary is more of a, a homebody. He, mm-hmm. he loves to stay inside, keeps himself occupied reading, you know, whatever. Me, I have to be outdoors. I have to be uh, active and always doing something, always mm-hmm. keeping busy. Mm-hmm. So for me was really very, very isolating. I, I really felt uh, very isolated until I started my yoga classes and started to get to, you know, get to know people more, but um, yeah, more, more for me and less, less for, for Gary.
0: So do you go to the coffee shop often? That sounds like a cool place. And when there isn't, you know, like, like you said, a band playing or something, is it just like neighbors? getting together at the coffee yeah. shop, have you? you yeah, know.
3: basically, yeah. People can just stop in. Well, they're only open three days a week. What? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can only get caffeine three days a week. Three days a week, yeah. yeah. That's good. What That's good. is it the weekends? When are they open? Yeah, it's Thursday. Uh, no, Friday, Friday Saturday, Saturday, and Saturday, and Sunday, so. yeah.
4: yeah. Oh. No, I'm right.
3: thinking about adding on an extra day, but sometimes it's hard to get the help out here mm-hmm. because, you know, somebody will... It was like the Dollar General. You know, they got a revolving door on that place where you mm. know people are just constantly coming and going. They'll work for maybe a month and then they're gone. Wow. Maybe mm. it's on to another town.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Is the coffee shop the only restaurant or is there another restaurant?
3: We got the Sunsides Cafe and the Stronghold uh, Cafe. So, and those are... That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And those are open every day?
3: I believe so, yes.
1: Yeah. I have a question back to, um, back to J- Donald's. Donna's childhood. Donna, you, in your book, you said you had an abusive childhood. Has, how has that affected you later in life?
2: Well, I think it's. It, at first it kind of held me back. And then I started thinking to myself, well, okay, I can either feel victimized and act that way, or I could try to do something about my situation and try to reach out to other people. And that was really a Big reason for my writing my my first book is to uh, reach out to people who were also overcoming massive adversities and to let them know that you don't have to be victimized by your circumstances. You can always choose to overcome rather than succumb to your adversities in any situation. It's, it's pretty much your choice. It, it was difficult. It really took a lot of therapy that I went through, went through a very marvelous type of therapy called EMDR. What does that and stand for? Eye movement. Eye movement, desensitization, resensitizing. It's focused on moving past either uh-huh. by a machine, by looking at different lights going past your eyes or fingers of the therapist's fingers uh-huh. to move past your traumas. And it was very, very helpful. And I, I went through it for quite a long period of time. But it really did help me, really gave me back my, my life again. Wow. So,
4: Good for you. And I,
2: I started wanting to do things and, you know, reach out to other people as well. So it, uh, it was kind of, it spurred me. It spurred me on to uh, try to overcome my, my adversities.
3: But it is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You have to relive everything that you live through. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't want to do that.
4: They'll immerse
3: themselves in drugs and stuff to try to kill the pain. But for the most part, if you really want to get rid of it, you have to work through it. And that meant dredging up all the old memories and going through all the crying jags and everything that every time you had to bring this. I mean, there were times where she would just be drained when I would see her after one of those sessions. Oh, Oh, my goodness.
2: And, And how long were these sessions, like an hour? It was about an hour. Yeah, it, it was not, there really wasn't much in those days as far as therapy for children who were abused. Mm-hmm. But this particular therapist that I eventually hit, hitched up with, she was just getting into this EMDR and she asked oh. me, she says, wow, things that we've tried before in the past were not very helpful, but maybe this, I feel like like this would be very helpful for you. Would you be willing to give it a try? Uh, I, I said, yeah. Yeah, I really would. I want my life back again. Mm -hmm. I I really want to. I don't want to feel victimized. I want to feel alive
3: and Mm. well. Well, And she would go through flashbacks of all the things that happened back home. And Mm -hmm. this was the first time she actually went flashback free, where she didn't have to worry about it anymore. They didn't. They were a thing of the past. Oh my God! This is but it's like kind of like post traumatic stress syndrome. Yeah, that yeah, that's what of it the sounds. Yeah, goes right, right. Anything Gosh. that you've had to encounter, just mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a terrible thing to have to live with every day. Right, and then it's it's no different from you know abuse situations at home.
0: Wow, because wow. I had heard about EMDR. I worked at a college. One of the uh, counselors had mentioned it because I had, I had mentioned that, you know, it takes probably forever to kind of unload your story to a therapist. And what if you need help like yesterday? Mm-hmm. Um, will it take forever? And what if you don't really trust the person or they sit with you for weeks and weeks and weeks, and then they just give you a prescription to a drug? And she said, you know what, what might work for you? or what my work for me is, or what she liked was EMDR. And I became fascinated with it, but it was so trauma-based, you know? So when you brought it up, I was like, oh my God, I know exactly what that is. And not everyone has that skill license or, you know, the the training for it, from what I understand.
3: Well, this woman was good. She,
2: she was wonderful. Mm. I mean, she, she was just, I felt like she was more of a friend than oh. an actual therapist. So you wow. trusted her, yeah. You were absolutely right about the trust component mm-hmm. if you trust this therapist she can take you or he can take you to the ends of the earth and you'll wow. go, you'll go with them because you trust them you know that their goal is to help you
4: Mm -hmm. To help me
2: get over whatever trauma or traumas you endured Mm -hmm. as a child. For me, it really worked. It really worked. It didn't work immediately. Mm -hmm. And yes, there was a lot of tears that I cried and a lot of, you know, was not an easy thing to go through. Mm -hmm. But it helped me break through to the other side and see that there's life. Mm
1: On the other wow. side yeah wow we're so lucky that you um you got through that because you and Gary went on to live these incredible lives It's just in- incredible and yeah. um
4: yeah
0: and, and uh, you know I think so much of that is because you are very open you're very open-minded and you can embrace that I I can definitely see that I'm less trusting <laughs> um yeah i i really don't trust anyone that's why i have that go away sign as you can tell you know, the door. <laughs> okay okay right, no but, I'm, I'm so happy that it worked
1: but this this has been wonderful so far and um so as as we we conclude do you have an advice for someone who's thinking about moving to a rural uh, town to retire
2: make sure that that you don't mind that uh, the nearest uh, shopping area is 40, 50-minute drive away. Make sure that you do your research on the neighborhood. Talk to some of the people. Talk to your neighbors. Do your research. If you're a city person, it's probably not the place for you. But if it's somewhere that you want some peace and quiet, somewhere that you want to be out in nature, then by all means, explore that neighborhood. You know, go around talking to people who are in that neighborhood. Just really, really explore it really well. And if you have to visit a number of times, go go do that. Make sure that that's, that neighborhood is really going to work for you.
1: And Gary, you have any advice?
3: Well, you know, I haven't had, uh, Donna's got a lot of friends out here, mm-hmm. female companions. She gets together with them from time to time. I don't have much of that. I think I had a I had a really good friend back in uh, Colorado, and a couple of them actually, and then one really good friend back in Chicago. I actually had a group that I used to get together with. Like every Tuesday, we'd go to the park. We'd uh, barbecue, and it was just, it was a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. until i moved away and then it's like <laughs> oh, okay this is going to be a new life yeah so i don't know you know for me i'm uh an extrovert by nature but an introvert when it comes to meeting people i don't i don't socialize well until i actually get to know somebody and sometimes you can't shut me up
4: <laughs> <laughs> Boy, <yeah. That's> <laughs>
3: That is
1: so funny. Okay, that's
0: kind of like Gene. You know, yeah, I'm an introvert. uh, He's an introvert, definitely. I'm the extrovert. When you get to know me
1: again, yeah, it's like stop,
0: be quiet.
4: (laughs) Right. Okay.
1: All right. So just to let everybody know again, remind everybody the wonderful book, the wonderful autobiography by Donna Brown. It's called Finding Medusa, The Making of an Unlikely Rock Star. It's a great read. And Donna's new book, which just came out, is a murder thriller mystery called One Moonlit Night.
0: Yeah. And we're going to have all that information in the show notes. With that, thank you guys so much for so joining much. our podcast. This is so exciting. And good luck with all your playing at the clubs. We expect your faces to be at the you are now entering Pierce, Arizona sign. <laughs>
1: Home of, home of Donna home of, and Gary Brown.
0: Yes. Yes. You will find <laughs> mime pantomime chair yoga. All right. Rock and roll everything in this town. So you people out there in Pierce, you better appreciate these two rocks.
1: Yeah, stars. you
3: better. Okay. It did All right. They did make it out yesterday, so it was a fun time <laughs> yeah, for Yeah, it sounds like they were great,
0: the yeah. audience. Oh, my God. That's so great. That's so great. We're so happy for you. We're so glad to have met you. Same
2: likewise, here. Likewise. Thank you, guys. Thank All you. right. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. You okay. too. Okay.
3: Thank Bye. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you know someone who's relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story with us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com. And you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Now, if you've liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, be well.